think it's, it's not necessarily unique for our business. I think it's for every startup and, and every company that's building things, which the most obvious and, and even annoying advice is talk to your users, talk to your customers. You want to build something people want. YC said it so many times and, and it's so true. So for, for me as a founder and for my partners, we have a lot of aspirations. We have a lot of ideas. We have a lot of creativity. But at the end of the day, people want specific things. And, and once you build a product, you would be surprised how much of, of a thoughtful opinion your users have on your product. So instead of going and care, being carrying the way with your, uh, with your thoughts, the best way is just to ask your, your users in your community. And if you don't have yet a community, if you don't have yet people or customers, whatever, then you can ask the potential ones. This is one aspect of it. Then the second aspect is the best opinion is owned by a person called data. So when you want to make decisions, data is the best way to decide simply because um, it just show you what works and what doesn't work. So when it comes to content, there's a lot of play in terms of, of, of the data and in terms of surfacing the, what we think is better content. But at the end of the day, um, whatever the data shows, this is the way we, we go and we optimize for. Meet Nimrod Kramer, the co-founder and CEO at Daily.dev, your friendly founder. He believes that the single most important thing is the people and the relationships. Welcome to our series entitled The I Am Podcast, a podcast about innovation, business, and most importantly, people. In this series, we'll be talking to founders, executives, and various experts about their vision, challenges, best practices, and lessons learned throughout their journey. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Today, we are joined by none other than the co-founder and the CEO at Daily Dev, Nimrod Kramer. Hello, Nimrod. Hey, nice to see you. Nice to see you. We are so excited to what we are going to learn from you today. Welcome to the I Am Podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Let's do this. Let's do this. Okay. I'd love to hear how you tell the world how valuable daily.dev is. Could you share with us your elevator pitch? Sure, yes. So uh, daily.dev is the homepage that every developer deserves. Being a developer in 2020 and 2021 was really difficult and it required a lot of time and effort to stay up to date. Um, so essentially what we did, we created one place for developers to consume all the content they need in a personalized way, in the most efficient way to help them become the best version of themselves and become lifelong learners as they wish to be without having to waste time and effort. Let's say I'm an IT professional. Okay. I always want to be updated about technologies. I'm a backend developer and I want to know new developments in that field. Is there a way to filter or to know on specific technologies, more of that specific technologies? Sure. So, so the way the product works is based on three things. First of all, we aggregate a lot of content from hundreds of different publications and content sources. Then the second thing we do is that we use the wisdom of the crowd. We use our community of around 100,000 developers to surface only the best content, to choose what are the most interesting articles. And then the third thing is what you're talking about. So um, it's about personalization. So you can choose what kind of topics you're interested in and get only the content that's relevant for you. Who are you offering your products to? So, so we're a B2C company or a B2D business to developer company. Um, so essentially our, our users are developers from all sorts and kinds from all over the world. Okay, interesting. How did you guys start? 
please talk to us about the first version. Mm -hmm. So the first version happened by mistake during lunchtime um, when Ido, my partner, just complained that he spends a lot of time and effort in, in this thing called consuming technical content. And, um, and he decided that he's just going to build some kind of an MVP um, of, of a feed that's going to aggregate all the content that he likes. Uh, so the, the way Daily Dev started is actually as a side project. We never planned for it to turn into a business, but apparently after we launched it, a lot of people felt related and they felt like they, they have the same kind of problems. So the product started growing from word of mouth and through organic growth that uh, resulted in, in what it is today. And we still have plenty of room for many more to join. Well, it gained traction through word of mouth. Is that right? Yeah, mostly. How else do you get it or spread to a lot of people? So I'll tell you what, when it comes to developer, there's this term called developer marketing, right? And this is probably the most misleading and and the most misleading term in, in this marketing to developer world because developer marketing has nothing to do with marketing. Um, as a matter of fact, developers are the best detectors in the world. So if you try to sell them or if you try to market things with, with jargon and that kind of thing, you're actually going to get the, uh, the opposite than what you're aiming for. So the way to, um, to approach developer marketing is first by being very sincere, very open, doing things right. And then the second thing is about bringing value and contributing back to the developer community. So this is the way to go. So when it comes to growth, it's not necessarily like the traditional marketing channel that you would expect for companies to have. It's more about um, bringing and, and giving back to the community in different ways. So for instance, we're doing this monthly event, uh, which is free and open for everyone, not only to people who are in the daily dev community, which is like TED for developers. And it started as a small experiment where we wanted to bring world-class speakers to just share inspiring ideas in the, in the programming and software space. And it turned into those massive events where hundreds and even thousands of developers gather every month. Um, so this thing, for example, really helps spread the world. The word. Then there's another thing that developers, they are, um, they are really like an egoless community or egoless type of audience. So you can, um, you can be very kind and buy your way to their heart with things that normally wouldn't work. So for instance, developers really like swag. So if you're being kind and, and you give it away and you identify the right win moments, then it's a fantastic way to grow and it's a fantastic way for people to, uh, to get to know you. But there are lots of things I can talk about it all day. Okay. Well, how do you bring more value to your customers, to those developers? How do you improve the quality of the content you're giving them? So that's a great question. I think it's, it's not necessarily unique for our business. I think it's for every startup and, and every company that's building things, which the most obvious and, and even annoying advice is talk to your users, talk to your customers. You wanna build something people want. YC said it so many times and, and it's so true. So for, for me as a founder and for my partners, we have a lot of aspirations. We have a lot of ideas. We have a lot of creativity, but at the end of the day, people want specific things. And, and once you build the product, you would be surprised how much of, of a thoughtful opinion your users have on your product. So instead of going and care, being carrying the way with your, uh, with your thoughts, the best way is just to ask your, your users in your community. And if you don't have yet a community, if you don't have yet people or customers, whatever, then you can ask the potential ones. 
This is one aspect of it. Then the second aspect is the best opinion is owned by a person called data. So when you want to make decisions, data is the best way to decide simply because um, it just show you what works and what doesn't work. So when it comes to content, there's a lot of play in terms of, of, of the data and in terms of surfacing the what we think is better content. But at the end of the day, um, whatever the data shows, this is the way we, we go and we optimize for. Can you talk to us about your first customer? Who was your first user? The first users were, were people in, in the team of the previous company that we founded together. Uh, so they were like the most passionate ones. And then I think the next hundred users were just um, random people that discovered the product on, on the Chrome web store. And then there was this, the next thousand users we got from a product hunt launch that we didn't plan. So there was this person from, I think from the UK, we don't know him personally, that found this product somewhere and decided to launch it on product hunt for us. And then all of a sudden we had like, I think it was around a thousand users, but I can't remember exactly. Um, so this is how we got started, actually. Amazing. <laughs> Share with us your challenges is this with the right people the right skills or what technology so i'll tell you what when when you're building um a bottom-up business or when you're doing a community-led startup the thing that really surprised me is for instance when we just had twenty thousand people on our platform i thought that when we get to a hundred thousand it's going to be five times more work but as a matter of fact, it was like a hundred times more work because it's about the people, it's about talking to them, it's about giving your attention to them. Um, so one of the challenges is actually staying in touch with so many people as you grow and how to collect feedback in, in scale. This is uh, one, of a, one of the greatest challenges, I think, for any company that's, uh, that's in growth stages. So, um, so this is one of the things that, that I really, I'm, I'm really being challenged with. And then there's obviously like taking, we, we talk a little bit about developer marketing. So taking the channels that are working, that are generating this kind of word of mouth or referral nature of things and make them scale. Um, so how do you hack that? That's, that's a big challenge that every company has in the space, I guess. About staying in touch with people, how do you get feedback? All right, that's a great question. So. Uh, we've been iterating a lot on that. The first steps of the process were just to go to our database, identify who are the power users, extract the CSV file with all the contact details and just start emailing them. It worked, but it took a lot of effort. And you know, when the, in the day-to-day yeah. -day life, it's just, it's not scalable. So then the second thing that we did is we wanted to create some kind of an automated email that would contact people that just registered to the product mm -hmm. and gained enough knowledge about what we're doing and ask them for a meeting. So we have hundreds and sometimes even thousands of people registering every week. So you can imagine like we had a lot of testing opportunities in this email. So the first thing was to find the right timing. So obviously if you send this kind of feedback request after an hour, the person still doesn't know what the product does. If you send it after a month, most likely they, it's, it's already too late. So we had to find that sweet spot. For us, the sweet spot was around after 14 days of usage. Then the second thing was, how, do you, how can you be authentic in an automated email? Mm. So there are the standard stuff, like you address them by the name and you write in a very informal manner. And, and, and we tried to engineer the email to make it look as if it's an email you would get from your colleague. This is one thing. 
But what actually made the difference was that we communicated the difficulty. So once we added to the email a sentence that, that addresses this and says like, hey, we both know it's an automated email, but I promise you that if you reply, I'm going to reply back. So people are getting this automated email. They know how they know it's an, it's an automated email, but they see that I'm going to respond. So um, some of them just write back a bunch of points and, and I get a lot of emails like that every week. And some of them even schedule an email directly on my Calendly. So I schedule a meeting, sorry, directly on my Calendly. So that's, um, that's also a fantastic way to go. Yeah, that's a great tip. Like be authentic, just relate to what they can relate to. Okay. How many people yeah. are there on your team? We're three. We're three people. There is me, there's Ido, and there's Tahi. We're like the hacker, designer, and hustler team. Um, so one is in charge of all the tech and all the development, and the other guy is in charge of all the experience, actually, of, of what it means to be part of our community, and what both in terms of the design and also in terms of the community. And then I'm in charge mostly on, on product and growth and, and leading the, the team. Well, you handle, you said, like a thousand from across the world, thousand users. So how do you get them all together? I mean, you guys too, do you have a personal mantra or routine that you do? We, we do have a lot of routines, obviously, <laughs> but, um, but when, we, when it comes to bring all the users together, it's still, it's still a challenge that we didn't find a way to hack. Um, and, and I don't think there is a product that actually is able to bring all the users together, I don't know, once a week or once a month. It's insane. Some of the best companies are doing, you know, this massive launch events once a year or once uh, every six months. Um, but we're still a bootstrap team. We're a small team of three people. So we, we have our limitations in that sense. But internally, we had a lot of routines in terms of like building the product and how do we evaluate feedback and how do we measure growth and this kind of stuff. Okay, you mentioned about bootstrapping. So you are fully bootstrapped. And in one of your interviews, you said, there's something about doing things in a bootstrap way that just helps you optimize your happiness. So please talk to us about that. So that's a fantastic point. I think that what happens today in the market is that money and venture capital especially is, is essentially free. And, and there is a lot of money out there and it's very tempting for a lot of founders to take that money very early, which is fine. I have nothing against that. But there's something magical about taking the bootstrap way because you force yourself to deliver value and you force yourself to crack a business model very, very early on, which once you make it, it's the most rewarding and most relieving thing. So in the previous company that we founded, we did have uh, venture capital and, and we did have investors and, and board and everything. And we might have that as well in daily.dev, but in a later stage. Uh, but what made it really, really fascinating for us this time is we realized how liberating it is to own an actual business that works. And when we went on the journey with daily.dev, we said this time we want to optimize for our happiness. And our happiness is, is comprised of many, many elements. But at the end of the day is, what are you working on with whom you do it? And whether you're passionate about it or not. And, and being a bootstrapper, although you're going to have to do a lot of compromises at the beginning, if it works, and if, if you can make it work, then it's, it's just fantastic. But I understand that it's not for everyone. Let's say if, if I'm a founder in, let's say, in the data security space or cybersecurity, sometimes you need to have several million dollars just to build your product. Like you can't do it without it. 
So that's fair enough. It's not, it's not for every industry and it's not for every case, but if it can work like that, it's just amazing. <laughs> right, right. In your case, you said, yes, bootstrapping. You get that happiness, that liberty, right? How do you push mm -hmm. yourselves? I mean, it's different when you are with investors. You get to be told what to do, things like that. But how about you? Like, how do you push yourself? I'll tell you what. So at the end of the day, it's, it's a lot of discipline. This is one thing, and we are a team with very high discipline. That's that's important. The second thing is that once you don't have investors, so it sounds like it's less stressful, but as a matter of fact, when it doesn't work, it's more stressful because you mm -hmm. have no one to rely on. You have no guarantee that you're going to get a salary at the end of the month. Um, and you're not even looking for an investment. So even if you want to look for an investment, there's still like three to six months until you'll be able to get that capital. Um, so I think as a matter of fact, it's actually in, in the beginning, it could be more stressful. And this is what drives you for just to make this thing, your business that you're building to make it happen, to make it work. Okay. What is yeah. the most valuable investment you can make as a growing company? I'm not sure if this is different considering that you are bootstrapping or if you're funded. So you can talk about both. I think the most important investment, and, and it's a little bit of a cliche, it's the people and it's the, the relationship with the people. This is the single most important thing. So investing and in building constructive communication and being able to understand each other and understand the strength and empower the strength in each other and put the weaknesses aside uh, because it's going to get you nowhere. Um, and, and embracing that thing of building a team, building sincere and very deep relationships with people. This is the single most important thing for every company, I think. And, and for everything you do, like at the end of the day, when, when you're going to be old, what, what's the thing that you're going to remember? You're going to remember the relationships you had with people, not the, I don't know, the pitch deck that you prepared for your seed round, right? So it's, it's important as well. But when it comes to what matters to me, it's, it's all about the people. Okay, so please share with us, who is Nimrod? I mean, before you got into this, what, what are your passions? That's a fantastic question. I'm passionate about, essentially, ex besides startups and besides entrepreneurship, I'm passionate about three things. One is table tennis. I used to be a professional table tennis player when I was younger, and I really love this, um, this sport. It's an amazing sport. The second thing that I'm passionate about is coffee. Essentially, it's my, my fuel for the day. And I really like to get uh, to know different kinds of, of coffee beans, et cetera, and try a bunch of stuff. And the third thing is that I really love Japan. Japan. Uh, so I was lucky in, yeah. So in, in all of its aspects, both from um, cultural, culinary, and business perspective. So I was lucky enough for the first company to work and operate mostly in the Japanese market. So I. I really gained a lot of experience over uh, several years that we worked there. Um, I met amazing people. I, I've seen an amazing culture and, and I'm still very passionate about it. I have a lot of friends there right now that I miss a lot. I didn't see for one year and a half. Amazing. Okay, so with all those that you have encountered and experienced, please share with us some important lessons that you would like you know, aspiring entrepreneurs and fellow founders to learn from you. All right, so I think that the most important lesson is, or the most important thing for any founder at the beginning is to be able to fall in love with the problem, to, be, to become a good problem-oriented thinker. 
because for us as humans and, and as entrepreneurs, we tend to see the world from a solution perspective. When we look at products, we see how it helps us, what's in it for me. But the way to actually make a business work is to really understand what's the problem that you're solving to make sure that this problem is indeed a problem and not a symptom of another problem, problem that's causing this symptom to happen. And at the end of the day, that the problem is big enough, which is there, there are a lot of small problems that are just no, not worth solving. So falling in love with a problem is, is very important. And then there is this framework that, um, that I love using for assessing uh, problems at the early stages based on five criteria. So one is that good problems tend to be popular. So when you go to the target audience that, that you want to help, um, you wanna see that the, the, the problem, let's say, is, is in very high priority in their day. So a very good way to go about it is to ask an open question like, what's the hardest thing about creating a podcast, for instance? So then you can, you, you can answer basically anything, right? And, and if this answer includes the problem that you're chasing after at least in the first or second sentences, that means it's, it's popular enough. And, and a thing that founders many times get wrong is that they describe the problem, then the customers or the audience say, yeah, yeah, we have this problem, we have this problem. But then when you ask them to pay, it doesn't really painful enough. So one thing is that good problems are usually popular. The second thing is that good problems are usually frequent. So frequency is important in, both, in, in two aspects. First of all, problems that happen, let's say every day, are usually by a rule of thumb, they're outliers, of course, but usually they're more painful or they're more itchy for people to solve. This is one, one very important reasons why, reason why frequency matters. The second thing is that startup is like an experiment, right? So when you build a business, you want to be able to iterate on your solution as fast as possible. So if you are solving a problem that happens only once every two years, you're gonna be able to try the same solution with the same person only once every two years, which is too long. Um, so frequency matters as well. The third thing is that good problems tend to be urgent, that they gotta be solved now because they're so painful that the customer just wants to adopt it. The fourth thing is that good problems tend to be also mandatory. So for instance, like when GDPR started in Europe, all of a sudden, all the companies that are selling to European customers have to comply with this new, new regulation and a bunch of new businesses and new startups in the regulation space all of a sudden started. And the fifth criteria is that good problems are usually very expensive in a certain resource. And I use intentionally the word resource because resource can be money, resource can be time, and resource can also be an emotion, a negative emotion or a very positive emotion. So um, if we look at the overview of this thing, so there are five criteria, and if you can at least convince your surrounding and convince other smart people that you're good with two or three of them, then you're in a, in a good starting point. So there is like good problem is popular, frequent, urgent, mandatory, and costly. Um, this is probably the best tip and, and focus on the problem, really not on the solution, not on the technology. Many times, you know, founders are like tech people, they are programmers, they wanna go, they wanna try this new technology, don't. It, mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter at the beginning, just it's all about the problem. Okay, wow, that's very interesting. This is gonna be the last statement you have to complete. I am Nimrod, your blank founder. So what do you want to be known for? I'm the friendly founder. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just a friendly guy and I love to socialize with other people. And, and this is me, essentially. Yeah, well, you built community for developers. 
right? So it's just like right. coming across. Okay. Thank you very much, Nimrod, for sharing and for your time today. My pleasure. Thank you very much for hosting me. This podcast is powered by iomops.io. Optimize your cloud infrastructure and CICD process with iomops.io dedicated DevOps team. Check out www.imops.io and get a DevOps team now. Make sure to check out www.imops.io if you want to know more about us. Subscribe to our podcast so you can get notified every time we post a new video. Thank you and you have a great day.